0: Welcome, guys, to our very first episode of The Good, the Bad, and the Texans. I'm your host, Austin Murray, along with my co-host, Cody Johnson. How y'all doing? Today, in our very first episode, we're going to be talking about head coaching possibilities, GM possibilities, and the recently leaked Jack Easterby news, and uh, how we feel about Jack Easterby as our potential GM or VP of football operations. Cody, what's your opinion on uh
1: on the old Jack Easterby news? Um not good. Um if y'all follow me on Twitter y'all, saw my rant a little bit yesterday. Um Jack Easterby has no business being in any front office to be honest with you. <laughs> or maybe not so much as in the front office as a, you know, vice president role, but he has no business dealing with football operations. Um, you know, Cal came out and said yesterday that he's not going to be the GM. He's not going to be the GM, but he's going to be in the front office and he's going to have a role in shaping the future. And he did also say that the GM was going to decide that role. Now, here's my problem. Um, I don't really care what his role is. I don't want him in the office in general. I think, um... Jack Easterby has too much of Cal McNair's ear. And when you have a guy like that in the front office who has too much of the owner's ear, he is the guy that's looking over the potential GM's shoulder, the potential head coach's shoulder, reporting everything they're doing, telling Cal what he thinks they're doing wrong, what he thinks they're doing right, stuff like that. So his role doesn't really mean anything to me. It's the fact that he's in the office in general, the fact that he had... So much say with Bill O'Brien telling him to do, you know, co uh, agreeing on these deals, the Hopkins deal, stuff like that, to where ca- why Cal thinks he needs to be in this front office in general after the season is just it's mind boggling to me, to say the least. I just I don't see, I don't I don't like the guy. I haven't heard. OB's bullcrap. I haven't heard a good thing about him. I've listened to New England podcasts. I've listened to Texans podcasts. Nobody has anything to good, good to say about him. Is having say in football operations. No prior experience. It just – it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and uh, other – I mean, I just – you can touch on it here in a second but i just i don't i don't get why he's here or why he needs to be here what can you know can you tell me or anybody else tell me why this guy what this guy can does yeah. that someone else can't do yeah well i don't i don't get saying? how
0: he goes from patriots character coach to bill o'brien's right hand man what about him what what had he done in new england that He deserved to go from a character coach all of a sudden to VP of football operations and Bill O'Brien's right-hand man. That's one of the most mind-boggling things to me. You heard the other day in one of Bill Belichick's uh, press conferences, Bill Belichick, who had coached with Jack Easterby, said he was not a front office guy. So when you have a guy and your owner and Cal McNair vouching for someone like Jack Easterby, Saying he's such an important part of this organization when, you know, one of the greatest coaches of the last couple of decades comes out and says Jack Easterby is not a front office guy. I don't understand Cal McNair's thought process in that.
1: Yeah. And that is a bigger problem, in my opinion. It's not so much, I mean, it is Jack Easterby, but the fact Mm -hmm. that Cal is allowing him, like, what? how does nobody's doing like I, I actually out yesterday that the management the uh, the ownership of this team is on par with the Browns the Bengals the Jets just becoming a great stock. and yeah the, of the league absolutely <laughs> but those guys those teams have been bad for years because their their management doesn't care like if you go talk to Bengals fans that, that owner is the cheapest guy in the NFL. All of their stuff, their facilities and stuff like that, is below par across the league. He doesn't care. He just wants as much money as he can without spending money. So if you're on par with that, what does that say about you and your capabilities to own yeah. a franchise? So that's that might be the bigger problem here is Cal McNair – Owning this team, and if it was my choice, I'd want them to sell the team. Yeah, exactly, and what
0: I find interesting the other day, I don't know who published the article, but it was an older interview with Jamie Roots, and he was, you know, coming out and saying that they're going to do things their way, and they are happy with the product on the field, and as a Texans fan, I I sit back and wonder, how can you watch – what's going on this season and just be happy with those results. I don't, I don't get that. How can you be happy with two and seven?
1: Yeah. Oh, just a lot of coach speak to try to, to to try to, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, bring down the fan base from their, their outrage kind of stuff. You know, I mean, they all know O'Brien screwed this team over by capping the defense Accounting for the offense, and neither one—I mean, the offense yeah. is nowhere near the top ten right now. The defense <laughs> is definitely nowhere near the top ten right now. They're not—not not even pushing top twenty. So, I, all of that's coach speak. I—I I totally agree with you. They—they they really aren't happy. That's just yeah. what they have to say, you know. Um, It's—it's it's kind of hearsay at this point, you know. We're just. It's all just looking towards the future at this point because nothing from this season is gonna. I, I want I don't want to say nothing, but a lot of the, the team aspect of this season isn't gonna translate over next to next season with the new GM and head coach. You know, so yeah, no, that's kind of where I am. With I that. agree with you. I'm I'm
0: curious to see how different <laughs> this roster is gonna look by the 2022 season. I mean, it's gonna be unrecognizable.
1: Dude, I I mean, it could look different next season. Like, I would expect a lot of turnover. We're gonna have to make some sacrifices to fix what O'Brien screwed up, especially on the defensive side. You know, Brandon Cooks might not be here. Second rounder too. Last year, so yeah, yeah. Don't even get me started on that. Well, that brings us into
0: our next point. So, (laughs) Cody, who do you see as the next head coach of the Houston Texans, or who who is your preference at this point in the?
1: In the uh, coaching search. So, so do you mind if I flip it on you? I'm gonna. We talk about GMs first. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna talk about GM first because I think it's actually more important than the head coach hire. Um, again, if you follow my Twitter, I've been tweeting about who I really like. I have three guys uh, in mind, but I talk about one for right now because I don't know how long this will take, but. My number one option is Ed Dodds, the GM – or the assistant GM for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, This – Ed Dodds is a guy – he came over to Indianapolis from Seattle in 2017 after the 2017 draft, so he had a hand in 2018 to present with the Colts. And then I think it was 2011 to 2017 draft for Seattle. I – his – scouting acumen is up there with the best in the league. A lot of people claim he is the best scout in the league. So, and then I went and looked at all of his draftees and again, on my Twitter, I tweeted it all of his draftees that have played a certain amount of games by round. And it is very, very, very impressive. Um, I've also watched a lot of interviews with this guy. Um he seems to be that kind of no-nonsense guy. He doesn't – He from interviews I've seen, he's not big on the spotlight. Like, it's not all about him. He just wants to go in, do his job, and win, you know? So, Ed Dodds, and then also learning under guys like Chris, uh, Chris Ballard, who's one of the best GMs in the league right now for the Indianapolis Colts. I just think all that, the scouting acumen, the no-nonsense, the, you know – the experience mm-hmm. and the ability to steal him away from a divisional opponent. It's just, it's I just agree. Ed, pass Ed up, Dodds my, is my number one guy too. You know, we saw
0: Ed, when, uh, when Chris Ballard was hired by the Colts, you know, they were, they were not a good team and they had their franchise quarterback, much like the Texans did and Andrew Luck. You know, of course he retired early, but they had their franchise quarterback and outside that their roster was a mess. You know, they had a bunch of old veterans, a bunch of young guys who hadn't proven themselves. And you look at the Colts now, guys like Darius Leonard. I mean, they are taking a flyer on a guy like Xavier Rhodes and him getting close to his all pro form. You just you need that kind of general manager, a guy who is just willing to take risks on play.
1: Trading the 13th overall pick for DeForest Buckner, you know. And that move's paid, a, that like moves that.
0: paid off huge yeah. for them. Their defensive line is one of the tops in the league right now for a reason. Because they addressed it. You don't, yep. you don't make your defense better by letting DJ Reader walk to sign Whitney Merciless, who is at best an <laughs> average pass rusher who's making elite pass rusher money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... You know, you said Ed Dodd was your number one guy. I think a lot of Texas fans are growing on him um, lately. You know, I know Texans Thoughts likes him a lot as well. Um, it, it, he, he's got to be the number one for me. Um, I'll talk about my second guy because I also really like him. And then we can go into head coaches if you want. Um, Will McClay, I don't know exactly what his title is in Dallas, um, but he is – the guy that's behind all the drafts there you know it doesn't look like it right now because they suck they've had a lot of injuries but that team on both sides of the ball has a a lot of talent and they've been Mm -hmm. drafting well for forever now you know we actually interviewed him for the gm job before we hired brian gain but jerry is known for keeping his guys he offered in a bag he stayed in dallas now everybody wants to progress at some point. He will never get the GM title while Jerry owns the team. So he is a guy who's my number 2 option who same thing as Dods has a great scouting acumen. Like we just, I just talked about their draft. You can go look at their draft. I did the same thing for him as I did for Dods. I went and ran down all the guys he's drafted or had a hand in drafting since 2010, I believe. And it's it's just it's really good, you know. I think he's missed on two first rounders, and one he missed on one first rounder. He drafted Taco Charlton over T.J. Watt, but Rob Marinelli, who uh, how that guy was there for that long is beyond me, was pounding him and Jason Garrett. Another same thing, same situation, pounding the mm-hmm. table for Taco Charlton. Like imagine if that team hate had TJ Watt right now like the rest of the team wanted. <laughs> you know? And then their other one, um, Morris Claiborne, who actually has played right. a lot for them, but he wasn't very good. So it is what it is. And then his second I think what I remember if I remember correctly, his second and third round, his mid round picks, or second through fourth round actually are very, very encouraging. You know, finding guys like Demarcus Lawrence in the second. Um uh Dak Prescott in the fourth you know it, it, it all that it, it just it's too good think, to pass up on and he's already in Texas yep. he's four hours away you know I know you know I agree off. and I think that's been one of the biggest
0: uh downfall of the Texans is them not being able to select solid players and get good value in the later rounds I mean you look at a guy Like Xavier Crawford, they took in last year's draft. He didn't even make the the roster or even the practice squad. It's, you know, GMs like that across the league, finding gems in the fourth, fifth, sixth round of the Texans, not even getting practice squad player out of those picks. Those are just wastes
1: to me. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, the big thing under Rick Smith was he could hit in the first after that couldn't find a player to save his life so if we could get someone in here that can actually draft in the later rounds and find talent in the later rounds as well as the first Mm -hmm. and the second let me uh, let me tell you a situation easier on your head coach so with the recent jack easterby news
0: him you know cal saying he's a big part of this organization how big of an impact do you think it would be if jack easterby were to vouch for nick casario and what are your thoughts on jack easterby maybe having a say in it and, you know, vouching for Nick Casario. What are your thoughts on that whole situation? And that even the slightest possibility of Nick Casario come to be the Texans general manager.
1: Yeah. Right. So when Nick Casario was rumored after we fired Brian Gain, um, I was very high on it. Um, he's been in New England forever, like 17 years or something. And, you know, he's another guy like Will McClay who doesn't get the acknowledgement because he's not the de facto GM. Um, but he since then has signed an extension with the New England Patriots. He, that you know, that only means so much. He could easily just leave and come be the GM. Um, but here's my thing. I don't want anybody mm-hmm. that is from the New England line, especially if Jack Easterby recommends them. <laughs> you know, so I, I would probably get over it because I think he can be good. Um, but Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby have just left such a bad taste in my mouth that mm-hmm. anything from that over east over there. Well, and we've seen it northeast all the way across to just, Teams trying I'm to recreate have you
0: the about. Patriots way, and no team has ever create the Patriots way. That That is just a dynasty. They have been both lucky and fortunate to have had the success they did. And there's a reason no other team's been able to create the Patriot way or recreate the Patriots way, however. So. Because you don't
1: have Bill Belichick. It, because you don't have Bill Belichick. Like, you can't run the you can't run the Patriots way without Bill Belichick. He will cut or trade you without hesitation, <laughs> you know, uh, and right, he can get away with a lot of crap that Bill O'Brien tried to do, but because he was winning, nobody's going to question you when you're winning. Absolutely. So, so let me ask you, Cody, who is your,
0: at this point in time, your number one head coach candidate for?
1: Um, so my number one head coaching candidate is Robert Sala, DC for the San Francisco Forty ers Um, he was actually a coach here back in twenty ten, uh, a linebackers coach, and then he went to Seattle after that staff was fired. Um, went to the Jaguars for a little bit, and then when he when uh Shanahan got hired for the head coach job in san francisco he pulled salo along with him and this is a guy who yeah of course you know he's had a lot of talent especially last year um and at points he relied on it too much like in the super bowl that four-man rush he didn't adjust when Andy reed did and it bit him in the ass but now at the same time it's made him a better coach because you can see his adjustments now, he, he, those guys are hurt. Those guys are gone. Nick Bost is not playing. D Ford's not playing. DeForest Buckner is traded. And they don't have that four-man rush anymore. And he's blitzing a lot more trying to generate a pass rush because those guys on the line just aren't cutting it, you know. Um, so, a big reason why I want Sala um, is – for I, I found more on him as a as mm-hmm. a guy who a coordinator he can bring for the offense more so than I found for like a Matt Everfluss or like a DC I found for Eric the but there's two guys he can bring for OCs as the OC over here and one is Mike LaFleur. Um he's the brother of Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur um he is the passing game coordinator over there in San Francisco. Um, a guy who has progressed pretty quickly, actually. If you go look at his his resume, and a guy who's going to be running that Shanahan system, that West Coast style system, it is going to be great for Watson. Um, you know, so that you know, I know a lot of people will talk about they want Eric Bieniemy because. They want an offensive minded guy for for Watson. Um, no, <laughs> just politely no, because at, why do you need to cater to the obvious strength of your team? Like I I I don't I don't get why Watson can't be just as effective with an OC like Michael Fleur. You know. I, and give him a defensive head coach to mm-hmm. focus and fix on that defense, which will help him much more as a team than just focusing strictly on right. offense and getting the most out of him. If you don't fix this defense, you're not going to win jack shit. That's just the, the long and the short of it. So the the whole reasoning for, oh, we need to get Watson offensive minded head coach to, to get the most out of him. No, look, look at what he's doing. He's having a career year at 2-7 and seven with Tim Kelly, a first-year offensive coordinator. Like, it, that just goes to show you mm-hmm. D4 is a guy that you don't have to cater to, you know. So that, um, I'll also say real quick before I let you touch on it, you know, whoever comes in, if it's offensive guy and brings a DC, if it's Sayla or Eva Fluss, is not going to be able to fix this defense as is. It needs a serious talent influx. Um, but I want a defensive minded head coach to have that vision to fix the defense yeah. to be able to keep leads that the offense gives you. You feel what I'm saying? Like if this defense right. were to stay as it is, any defensive coordinator or head coach that comes in is gonna suck. They need a talent influx. Um but I think you are better to get that and a vision of what the defensive guy wants to run if you get a defensive-minded head coach in here. So, so that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Sal has been my number one guy for a while. I have never, I have not been on the EB train at all. I think he's very overrated.
0: Um, well, so you know me. I, I uh, got a couple other guys. Uh, I but as well I'll, I'll am not on the on EB that. train. I agree that I think a lot of his success has to do with the fact that he has Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. I know people are going to say, oh, well, Deshaun Watson's elite too. Come on. Patrick Mahomes is in a league of his own. Let's just be real. He he is Patrick Mahomes. He is a $500 million quarterback for a reason. And you have to wonder too, is be the same without Andy Reid? That is another factor as to why I just don't buy into the Eric bien Hype. My my number one guy, and I know you're not going to agree with me on this, is is offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, Joe Brady. <laughs> I love Joe Brady. I've loved him since he was at LSU. What he did with Joe Burrow in the 2019 season, having one of the greatest, if not the greatest, seasons in college football history. What he's done this season, he's taken Teddy Bridgewater – Teddy Bridgewater, and made him into a top 12 quarterback right now, top 12 to 15. Teddy Bridgewater, outside of the Panthers right now, is not a top 12 to 15 quarterback. What he has done to elevate his offense, look at what he's done without Christian McCaffrey. Their run game may have taken a minor step back, but their offense hasn't completely fallen off, even with their best player missing. Things he does, you know, like running a Wildcat with Curtis Samuel and letting him score. I, I love that creativity that Joe Brady brings. I think a guy who's known as a national champion and a young coach would have all kinds of connections to bring his own offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator to the Texans. I would just love to see... Joe Brady and Deshaun Watson I think the numbers they could put up would just be ridiculous you know I compare this to the Rams in a sense you know like when they brought over Sean McVay it it took Jared Goff's game to a whole new level and I know that's Jared Goff but what he did to elevate them I mean he took the Rams to the Super Bowl granted the Rams play has fallen off since then but Just looking what a young offensive guru did to the Los Angeles Rams just gets me excited about having the possibility with
1: Deshaun Watson. Uh, Absolutely, dude. Now, the the blowback you're going to get on that is, of course, he's young. You know, only so much coaching experience. His first uh, OC job in the NFL. He was with the New Orleans Saints for three years as an assistant assistant coach. Um, Brady, I, he's my top offensive option, to be honest, so I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, now, another thing you'll get is, you know, where's the credit to Matt Rule? He's an offensive guy. He coached for the – he was an offensive line coach for the Giants way back before he was at Temple. Now, here's here's what I'll say to that. I have a cousin who plays left tackle at Baylor. I've been able to sit down with Matt Rule multiple times and just talk football with him. I've watched Baylor and his offenses run for the past two, two three years since he's been at Baylor, three years, so or since he was at Baylor. Um, the, <laughs> that offense looks absolutely nothing like what they're running right now in Carolina. He pulled Joe Brady for a reason. You know, I mean, that was, it was a guy who had a big hand in shaping the LSU offense. Now, that team had a ton of talent, of course. But uh, you talk mm-hmm. to a lot of LSU fans. They, they say it probably doesn't happen without Joe Brady. You know, so – and like you were saying earlier, you know, that was a team that was projected three total wins on the season. They got three wins and six games. Right. And they're still a top 15 offense. They're better offensively than us. And they lost Christian McCaffrey. You know, so I just, then that line is is not very good. So, no McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater's average, no line, you have some receivers, and you're a top 15 offense. That just goes to show you what Matt Rule and Joe Prady are doing over there. You know, I I would not be mad at that hired at all. Um, I'm not, he's young. I that's, get it. And that's um, why I think I'm such an advocate get him now, for getting him. Not is getting because get him I know, him at all. you
0: know, give him two to three more years as an offensive coordinator if he makes it past this off season and doesn't get a head coaching job. He's going to be gone. Uh, you know, I, I personally believe that he will have a lot of success if he gets the head coaching opportunity somewhere else. And you're just – you're not going to get them. And I I think that is one of my biggest Mm -hmm. reasons is why I think they need to pull the trigger on Joe Brady the day after the Super Bowl.